Today's passage is 1 Chronicles 5, verse 18 to 22. I invite you to open your Bibles and read along. The Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh had 44,760 men ready for military service, able-bodied men who could handle shield and sword, who could use a bow, and who were trained for battle. They waged war against the Hegrites, Jeder, Naphish, and Nodab. They were helped in fighting them, and God handed the Hegrites and all their allies over to them, because they cried out to him during the battle. He answered their prayers because they trusted in him, they seized the livestock of the Hagrites, 50,000 camels, 250,000 sheep, and 2,000 donkeys. They also took 100,000 people captive, people captive, and many others fell slain because the battle was God's. And they occupied the land until exile. Father, thank you. Thank you that we can come here and worship you this morning, that we can sing praises to you and we can pray to you and we can hear your word. And Lord, we pray that this time of worship will shape us and form us more and more into the people you've called us to be. And Lord, may the words that are spoken next, what may they be your words and not mine? Pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. How many of you have ever wondered why the books of Kings and the books of First Chronicles are both the same and yet really different? Have you ever thought about that? No? Ah, I got to get you reading the Old Testament more often. You see, the kings and the chronicles both tell the time of the history of the kings in Israel. But they tell very different stories sometimes because the kings, the writer of kings, that historian, he was writing to show how when you trust in kings and when kings really don't trust in God, it can get messed up really, really bad and really quickly. The historian who wrote Chronicles, they wrote from the perspective of God working in Israel and God in this super close relationship with his people. And you don't hear a whole lot of bad stuff happening from the kings because Chronicles is focused on a healthy relationship between Israel and with God. So this morning we're going to spend a little bit extra time praying because our denomination recognizes the importance of prayer and calls us to hold a prayer service each spring at the start of the planting season. But we also take this time to pray for a lot of other things that are really important as well. Because as we hear from this story, prayer is a gift from God, an invitation to come and talk to him, to talk with him. It's an act of trust and faith, coming to God with open hearts, 
And that means we don't try to hide stuff that's going on in our minds, our hearts. He knows it anyway, honest. But prayer acknowledges who God is as the creator of the universe, our creator who created us in his image in order to have a special relationship with him. So in our scripture passage this morning, you got this, you got this historian telling us of one of the countless battles that Israel found itself in with its neighbors. When three of the tribes of Israel were mostly involved in these battles, and this is where geography becomes important. So say, okay, that's the west, that's the east. I think I got it, right? Okay, so you got the Jordan River. On the east side of the Jordan River, there's only three tribes. Well, two and a half tribes. But then you got all the nations on that side. And then on the west side of the Jordan River, you got Israel. You got, that's where the people had settled. So that means these three tribes, or two and a half tribes, they were like the first line of defense for Israel against all those nations from the east and from really from the north as well because the Jordan River, that pass, was kind of a natural way in to the land of Israel. Now the tribe of Gad, and this comes in this story in Chronicles as a discussion of all the different tribes of Israel, the tribe of Gad is one of these tribes that had this reputation for being fierce warriors. They didn't back down easily from a fight, often at the front of the battle lines. Now Gad was born to Leah, one of the patriarch Jacob's wives, who at Gad's birth prophesied about him. Leah, when Gad was born, said, A troop cometh. She was pointing already hundreds of years earlier, that he and his tribe were going to be warriors. And as warriors, the temptation is a trust in your own strength and skills and the trust in your fellow soldiers, fellow warriors, to defeat your enemies in battle. And that can easily lead to pride and boasting. And yet that's not the case with these warriors. During the battle against the four tribes, all connected to the Ishmaelites, descendants of Abraham's first son, Ishmael, by the slave girl, Hagar, Israel's warriors cry out to God. In the battle, trusting in his divine power over their own physical and warrior power. And the historian writes, God delivered the Hagarites and all their allies into their hands. He answered their prayers because they trusted in him. That really struck me. That God responds because they trusted in him. They realize that their own strength, their own might, their own skills, their own power, you know, ultimately, that wasn't enough. They had to go to God. They had to trust in God. And trust can be hard. 
And that's why prayer is an act of trust. And that first act of trust is trusting God listens to our prayers and that he'll respond in ways that we can understand. Even if he answers them differently than we expect or want. Trusting that he answers them because of his love for us. Prayer has always been a huge part of Jewish life. The Bible has an entire book called the Psalms, which are all prayers. And when you read through the Bible, those historians and those writers, they made a point of recording a whole lot of different prayers. You see, God wants us to see through the Bible that talking to him is supposed to be something normal. It's supposed to be a regular part of our relationship with him. See, Israel knows that God wants, wants them to come to him, to spend time with him, talking to him regularly. And prayer is one of the main ways that we do that. Israel developed a whole lot of prayers that they would use regularly throughout the day. The most well-known prayer is a Shema, and it's found in Deuteronomy 6. And they would say this prayer, and the Jews today still say this prayer twice, though some will say it three times. And it goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you this today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. I remember talking to some Jewish friends in Montreal and saying, it's kind of a strange prayer. It sounds more like you're just talking about who God is and what God and who God wants us to be. And they said, well, of course, exactly. That's what prayer is. It's about remembering who God is. It's also about remembering who we're supposed to be. And this prayer calls Israel to remember who God is, who God calls us to be, a good reminder for all of us today. It also calls us to be deliberate in teaching our children who God is and what God expects from his people. See, prayer is not just a conversation with God. It's also a time to remind us of who God is. How does the Lord's Prayer begin? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A time to remind us and even to remind God of the promises and commitments he's made to us. Jewish prayers, they praise God for his actions and how God involves himself with his people. And it almost always includes the deliverance of, of the Israelites from Egypt and his defeat of opposing kings and armies. 
For the Israelites, God's character leads him to act. And his good deeds on behalf of his people need to be told over and over again, often in prayer. See, I had never thought of prayer that way. It's a time of talking to God and remembering all the things he's done to us. And yet, when I talk with my brothers or I talk with good friends from some other place, a lot of times we'll tell the stories, remind each other of the things we've done and the things they've done for me. So it should be a natural part of how we talk to God. But the Israelites also developed a series of prayers called the Amida. The Jewish virtual library tells us, well, the Amida is a person's opportunity to approach God in private prayer and should therefore be said quietly. The words must be audible to oneself, but one should be careful to pray softly, softly enough not to disturb others. If one is alone, it's permissible to raise one's voice slightly if it helps concentration. But it's forbidden to interrupt the Amida, even to greet an important person. One should not even acknowledge a greeting. Only a grave emergency justifies interrupting the Amida, since it's considered a conversation with God. Now, the Abadah was a collection of 18 prayers, petitions, and blessings to be offered three times a day and during synagogue services. And each of the benedictions ends with some form of, Blessed art thou, O Lord. It may sound like Israel depends on formal prayers and written prayers, but they were simply ways of helping the people to have personal prayer times with God, helping them to focus their minds and hearts on talking to God. And I just think we can have so much to learn from them in terms of what it is to pray, of how to approach God. I love that idea of being by yourself and still talking out loud. Because that helps us from, at least for me anyway, traveling down all these different rabbit trails in my prayers and in my mind. Helps me to have a real conversation with God. Now it may sound a little crazy and look a little crazy when others see you. But that's why it says, don't even pay attention to anybody else who's around you. But the reality is that prayer often isn't easy for all of us. Even Jesus' disciples said, teach us to pray. You see, they saw Jesus kind of going off by himself, and, and, and they saw Jesus put such an importance on praying But even though they had grown up with prayers and and talking to God regularly and and with the Psalms and, and all these other prayers, they still said, we need your help. And that's why Jesus gives them this prayer. To help them talk to God. 
Now Matthew places the Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount, and, and that's a collection of Jesus' teaching early on in the book of Matthew, that first book in the, in the New Testament. But he places it specifically in a section where Jesus is teaching on acts of righteousness. He's saying praying is an act of living right with God. It's a way of having a proper relationship with God. At the heart of right living with God and each other is knowing God, not just facts, not just theology, but actually having a relationship with God. And that involves communication, both talking and listening to God. And that's where prayer comes in. And just like we're all created differently from each other, with different personalities, the same way there are a lot of different ways to pray that help us pray in ways that shape our hearts according to our differences. For myself, I kind of find praying in groups rather hard to do. And yet I love talking to God while walking early in the morning by myself. Talking out loud. I often wonder if people pass me. They must think I'm weird. But that's okay. But I also find it meaningful to pray the words of the Bible. Often using the Psalms to help me express my thoughts and heart to the Lord. But the goal is not just to pray the words of the Psalms. But to let those words kind of jumpstart the rest of my prayers. I also find myself praying shorter prayers during the day, kind of taking to heart Jesus' warning in Matthew 6 to not babble like the pagans. See, the pagans just wanted to influence their gods with lots and lots and lots of words and sacrifices and everything else. And Jesus says, just talk simply to the Father. You know, it's all about It's all about the intent of your heart. It's not about the number of words. Over the centuries, different ways of praying have also been used to speak to God and to take time to be still and know that I am God. I mentioned praying the Bible. Praying the Bible takes passages from the Bible written by different people who brought their praise, their sorrows, their struggles and questions and many times really hard questions to God and uses these written prayers to begin their own prayers and give themselves the words to talk to God that they might not otherwise know how to say. A friend recently mentioned how he used Psalm 23 to pray after his mother died, focusing especially on the lines, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you're there. But then also the line, surely your love and goodness will follow me. All the days of my life. These verses helped him to share his grief to God, but also to show God his trust in him. A member of the church in Montreal finds it really helpful to write out her prayers. See, the practice of writing helps her share with God her joys and sorrows, but especially her questions helps keep her focused, disciplined in her prayers. When I was a youth pastor, a teen in Allendale 
told me how music helped them to pray. Using the words of praise and worship songs helped them tell God how much he loved God and to thank God for Jesus and for his spirit. But ultimately, our hope lies in the trust we have that God listens to our prayers. Jesus gives us several parables that show us how to approach God. In Luke 18, Jesus tells of a widow asking for justice from a judge who refuses until her persistence finally convinces him to give her justice. Now the parable, we often use it and say, hey, just keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying. But that's not really the point of that parable. The point of that parable is God's not like that judge. Maybe you've got to go to a judge a thousand times to finally get some justice. But Jesus says, you just got to turn to God and you just got to ask. You don't have to convince him. Because God wants what's best for you. God hears and he cares. And he responds. In Luke 11, Jesus tells the parable of the man who has an unexpected visitor show up at night and he goes and knock on his neighbor's door for some bread to feed his visitor. And yeah, the neighbor gives him bread, but he's grumbling and mumbling and kind of going, oh man, like really? You couldn't wait till morning? Let him go to bed hungry. They'll appreciate the bread even more when they get up. But Jesus says, you know what? Ask and it'll be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds. And to one who knocks, the door will be opened. God is the creator of the universe. He is somebody so amazing. But he's also a father. Jesus is a friend. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And they all want a relationship with us. One based on trust. One based on hope. One based on really caring about each other. As Amy Boucher Pye writes, prayer changes people because God changes people. He takes those of us who are scared and anxious, bitter, disappointed and vindictive and morphs us through his spirit into brave, loving, hopeful, generous people. No prayer draws us closer to God. Building trust. Well, building strength in us as well. And there is nothing you can't bring to God. You know, if you're like most people, your deepest times of prayer will be during your hardest times. There may be times when you find yourself at a loss for words. When tears stream down your face and your throat is choked up and hope is fading fast. And you know what? When those times come, you don't even need words. Because God knows the words. You need to save before you know what or how to say them. Because his spirit is in each one of you. And this is when all the times you spend talking to God in prayer beforehand become a gift 
Because they've built your relationship with God. They've taught you trust in God. And they've given you the strength to come to God with trust and hope. So prayer. A gift of relationship and hope from God. Built during the normal times of life for the hard times. So may the Lord bless you as you talk to God. As you come to him regularly. And know that he listens. And that he cares. And that he responds. Amen. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of prayer.